1: He, he looked at my son, Josh, and there was that moment where he truly, it was a, a moment of delight, and it was, he smiled, and there was a, this shine in his eyes, this brightness that I had not seen for a long time. Um, truly a, a powerful moment for him. It was a moment that you kind of go, why was Josh born at this time? And I kind of go, maybe, maybe for this moment.
2: That's Dr. Robert Hamilton talking about how the birth of his first son brought tremendous hope to a tragic family situation. This is Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller.
0: John, babies are such an amazing example of God's handiwork. And obviously, uh, babies and kids have a special place in God's heart. Uh, We saw that when Jesus got upset at the disciples for not letting the children come to him. And not only does God say in his word that we should be more like children in our relationship with him, he says he knows us from the very beginning of our lives, from the very moment we're conceived. And that's pretty incredible. And that's why we're so passionate about the pro-life movement here at Focus on the Family and why we're celebrating pre-born babies through our Sea Life
2: 2020 event that's coming next month. That's September 26th, and you can find out more about the free online Sea Life 2020 event at FocusOnTheFamily.ca. And today, John, I'm
0: looking forward to sharing the rest of our conversation with Dr. Robert Hamilton as he moves into the more scientific side of his profession, uh, digging into why he used to be pro-choice and the amazing details
2: of a baby's development. If you missed anything from that first part of our conversation, uh, be sure to stop by the website, check us out on the YouTube channel, uh, pull us up on the app, or look for the podcast. As I mentioned last time, Dr. Hamilton has over three decades of experience as a pediatrician, even more experience as a dad to six and grandfather of nine, and is the author uh, of the book called Seven Secrets of the Newborn, Secrets and Happy Surprises of the First Year. We've got copies of that, of course, at our website. Uh, Dr. Bob is perhaps best known as the creator of the Hamilton Hold, which is a special way to calm a crying baby, and we've got a video of him demonstrating that hold at the website. Let's go ahead and rejoin the conversation now on today's episode of Focus on the Family.
0: Uh, Dr. Bob,
1: welcome back. Thank you, uh, Jim and John. It's a pleasure to You be know, here.
0: we're going to demonstrate on the Focus website that Hamilton hold. And uh, you tell me that it's good for really small Babies. It's not for teenagers.
1: Not not <laughs> the Hamilton Hole might be a little different for teenagers. I'm working on that. I'm in the, I'm in the lab trying to figure yeah, right. out how to do that. It's taken and, years uh, to perfect. You know, when I get that one, uh, you know, I, it'll truly go viral. I
0: bet you might have 60 million. To hey, take a look yeah, at that no, one.
1: That's my goal. Yes. <laughs> hey, uh,
0: you haven't always been passionate for babies. In fact, I understand that you considered yourself kind of pro-choice, and I don't know that it's fair to equate the two, but. Um, You were more pro-choice in med school. Why were you in that spot,
1: and how did you come around to rethinking it? Um, Jim, that's a great question, and it actually uh, causes me to kind of reflect on that transition because the reality is it was the culture that I was in. The culture of medical school, the culture of medicine in general today is that abortion is part of the landscape. Um, when Roe v. Wade happened in 1973, I was a young man. I had other things on my mind. It wasn't on my radar. It wasn't like I really thought through the issue that carefully. So part of me falling into the, quote, pro-choice camp, if you will, was really wanted by default. It wasn't like it was very intentional. It wasn't really thought through. And that was – something that I ultimately ended up you know, dealing with a little bit later on in my training.
0: Yeah, I would think in med school particularly, that would have been kind of everybody was moving that direction. Professors were probably very insistent or at least told people what their views were, and it probably fell 80% or more toward a pro-choice perspective. I don't know, but –
1: No, it's very high. And I I think that uh, the fact is, is that, you know, that was kind of the way it was. Mm -hmm. I remember during my OBGYN rotation uh, as a 3rd year medical student, we were kind of dividing up our responsibilities. And I was uh, told that I was going to go to a tab. And I I didn't know what a tab was, but I, I learned that it was a therapeutic abortion. And so the reality is that, first of all, the language that abortionists use is oftentimes shrouded in uh, nuances that uh, they're not always Soft clear. language. Yes. Yeah. They, I know. And like, so yeah. when I think about it, Tab, there was actually a a soda at one point called Tab. Right. And I go, okay, Tab. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I went to that. I went. I remember going as a third year student, and I watched an abortion. I remember walking out of the room thinking, this. It, it didn't feel right. Huh. It felt. I remember walking out very sad, mm-hmm. and you know, here I am, uh, not really, not really thinking through. And I think a lot of people don't really think through the issue, and so that was me. And I, but I had to think that day because I I saw one, and I'm thinking, you know, what there was another life that entered that room, and is no longer with us. Right. And I remember looking at that woman, and you know, she wasn't happy. You know, she was going through a procedure which um, was invasive to her. Number one, and I'm only I didn't talk to her. No one did. Right. It was kind of like don't talk to her because we don't want to know what she's thinking. But I know that, I know looking at her face, I could tell that this was not something she was proud of. That's something she was happy about.
0: Yeah. Well, it's so amazing. And this is a a big battle in the culture uh, when you look at it right now. I'm sure back in 73, maybe politicians thought once it's declared constitutional by the Supreme Court, argument over. But there's something intrinsically wrong at the very core. And that's why, this continues, this contest of moral ideas. I think at, at one level, abortion is illogical, uh, you know, when you think about it. And one of the things that I'm concerned about, I'd love to get your perspective as a pediatrician. For the abortion industry, and let's just, you know, Planned Parenthood probably does a little more than about a third of the abortions in this country, uh, over 300,000 a year. And it's amazing to me that they've been able to divide women from that natural, God-given desire to be that nurturing person. Speak to that. That, to me, is a profound and dark achievement.
1: Well, it is. And part of it is the fact that they it is considered to be... Okay is considered uh, to be something that you kind of sometimes, if you like, they have to do. Women are conflicted. This is I don't know, and I know many people who've had women who've had abortions, and though they'll tell you even before or after their uh, change of of heart, uh, they uh, in terms of their faith, they were conflicted way back when. And so you're right. I think that the groups uh, Planned Parenthood, I mean, is number one. What they've been able to do is obfuscate the truth. Right. And they've been able to hide the truth. Uh, one of the ways that you, know, uh, you can shut down an abortionist or even you know, these people is you say, what do, are you doing? Tell me what you do. Tell me the process that you go through when you have an abortion. And when you actually – when they, they won't articulate that. They'll never come back to you and say – They hide it. They have to hide it, Jim. Right. They have to hide it because if they actually said, here is what we do – and they go through the process because it is a process, okay? It is a procedure. When they do that, it's terribly damning. It's terribly damning. So that's what's happened. We've, yeah. we've been able to hide the truth. Now, I will tell you that you know, now in a lot of the uh, pregnancy uh, centers, re, uh, resource centers, yeah, the PRCs. they're beginning to actually have ultrasounds in them, and they can show people, okay, this is what your baby looks like. You can, you can see it, and this is not a blob. It is not a tissue. It is a real human being. Uniquely different than any other human being that has ever been on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's so exciting. We've been doing that option ultrasound program for 15 years now. And you know, I just am so proud of these pregnancy resource clinics that a lot of them work on a shoestring budget, a lot of volunteers, very uh, loving and kind, mostly women who are out there trying to help women make the best choice they can make, which is to give your baby life, even if you have to give that baby up for adoption. And uh, I, I am, I'm just so proud of them. And here's a stat that's so amazing. I remember meeting with a Planned Parenthood representative, and they said it's on average about $600 to do an abortion. Here at Focus on the Family, you can save a baby's life for $60, that program. I mean, that's what's so amazing. And I hope people... Uh, would get on board with us and help us. I would love to see another 600,000 babies saved by 2025. What we're saying is a million alive by 2025. Wouldn't that be awesome? And I just am excited about this. And so many people are realizing, especially young people, that abortion is not right. Immoral, in fact. 61%, get this, Dr. Bob, 61% in a recent Marist poll said that, and these are abortion-minded people, 61% said abortion after the first trimester is not right. These are Mm. abortion-minded people. Think of that. Now, we believe in life from conception, and so we're not going to differentiate between a second, third trimester pregnancy and a first trimester. But the point is, even they don't agree with late-term abortion or second-term abortion. So I've said a lot there. What do you want to respond to? No, I I think that when
1: people know, when people think about it, and I think it's innate in human beings, uh, and I, I think that human beings, when they really look at the truth and they really understand what is happening, they will change their mind. By the way, my transformation, if you want to hear that, is that what happened to me is I was in my training. I was doing my neonatal intensive care rotation, and uh, we were doing all that we could to save you know children who were twenty four twenty five twenty six twenty seven weeks on the other end of the hall, there were babies being aborted at the same gestational age, and after a while, I said, "You know what, I have to proclaim who i am i, I am not i 'm not pro choice I am pro-life. And I did things. I actually – there was a movie called The Silent Scream, which was Mm. put out by a guy named Bernard Nathanson.
0: Yeah, one of the early pro-life films.
1: Very early. I met uh, Dr. Nathanson, and I brought that film to UCLA. I showed it to the residents. Mm. God bless
0: you. That took some guts. Seriously, I think, I think
1: I you know my grade point average went down after that point, but uh, because some of the professors uh, showed up and they sat in the back and they were glum and they were angry and they couldn't respond because if you remember that film which showed actually you know an ultrasound of a child being aborted um, and
0: Bernard Nathanson just for those that don't remember him he was pro-abortion. He was the beginning of NARAL, the National Abortion Rights League. And he was one of the strategic thinkers, a, f- a pediatrician who you know, helped pioneer
1: abortion. And then he flipped. He flipped. And I, I think that he, and by the way, he incurred the absolute anger and furiousness of that whole yeah. uh, culture. But He was yeah, a traitor to them. He was a traitor. Uh, but he was also uh, a person who loved truth. Yeah. And he was an interesting guy and you know what that film changed a lot of lives it definitely changed my thinking about it and when I showed it to the medical students they were kind of going wow. <laughs> and uh, so anyway yes it definitely uh, rec- you know represented a, a total change in my feeling about this issue.
2: This focus on the family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Amanda's
0: marriage was a train wreck, trying to raise four young kids, facing bankruptcy, constant arguments, and then her husband had an affair.
2: So finally I was like, God, what do you want me to do? Like, I've done everything, and there's, like, I don't know what else I can do. I can't stand to look at him. I can't, I can't stand to be around him. What do you want me to do?
0: Thankfully, God intervened, and Amanda's life began to change as she listened to our broadcast app.
2: So really, Focus on the Family gave me hope, uh, and it gave me a change in perspective, you know, that no, not every marriage is going to end. There is hope.
0: I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can rescue more marriages like Amanda's, especially during this coronavirus pandemic. Donate at focusonthefamily.ca slash give, or call 800-the-letter-A-and-the-word-family. Imagine reaching into your pocket right now and finding an extra 20 bucks or checking your wallet and finding a nice 50 tucked inside. If you like the sound of this, join the thousands of people
2: who are finding extra money every month through DL Deeks Insurance. Stop paying ridiculous rates for car insurance. Contact DL Deeks today and tell them you want to save your money. Deeksinsurance.ca. That's Deeks,
0: D-E-E-K-S insurance.ca.
2: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
0: Let's move to the miracle of a baby's development. Because uh, again, I just it puts a smile on my face, the Lord knitting this child together in the mother's womb. Uh, talk to us about how miraculous each life is. You say there are millions of things going on, literally... Uh, during every moment of pregnancy, describe what's happening for that baby.
1: Sure. Uh, And it's a joy for me to do that. Well, first of all, one of the beginning is the conception. Conception is a moment where That joining together of the egg and the sperm is that moment of time, in time, where a new individual is actually being, the template is there. Now, I will tell you that if you, this is something I mentioned in my book, is that that moment actually has a little bit of fireworks with it. Uh, it, it, (laughs) Yes, it does. It does. and (laughs) In fact, there is actually a burst of light that happens. Is that right? True, and people who do in vitro fertilization have been studying this. And what there is a thing called a zinc burst, and so when the conception happens, there is actually a, a burst of light—literally, true light—that happens as wow. a result of this egress. Uh, there's an ingress of calcium ions, and there's an egress of zinc ions hmm. that kind of come and out it of it. And produces this light. There is actually a little bit of a, a flash of light. Huh. That's and
0: amazing, given the scripture. That's I'm the beautiful. light of the world. Yeah. It, and it, we're made in his image. It
1: is wow. a beautiful thing. And, uh I tell people that this is like, you know, in heaven there's this glory, and, and actually this event, this spark of light, has been going on in the fallopian tubes of women for forever. I, I actually spoke with the researcher. This is actually relatively new information. And I spoke with the researcher who actually discovered this. Huh. And um, I said, what did it feel like when you actually saw this burst? And she said, I literally got goosebumps. I, I, she, and I said, what a wonderful way to herald a new life mm-hmm. it's a little boom, a little I love that yeah what happens after that? Well, after that, I mean this uh, conceptus begins to kind of divide very quickly. These daughter cells happen, it kind of tumbles down uh, the fallopian tube eventually. That morula, we call it, uh, it, attaches itself to the wall of the uterus, and then division—you know—you form uh, the placenta. You form this—you know—all these things are going on, and amazingly, so quickly. You know, you're talking about a heart beating in weeks. Right. Okay, a heart is formed, lungs are being formed, rudimentary within the first, really, the first uh, trimester of that right. child's I mean, life.
0: Five, six weeks, right?
1: Everything's there, right. The, the primordial brain, everything's already there, is, is truly an amazing thing. Huh. And then after, you know, really the later stages of development are just simply growing. Uh, the child is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Neurons, of course, are, are multiplying. They, uh, when we're born, we're born with 100, you ready for this? 100 billion neurons. Wow. Mm. 100 billion. There are that many stars. 100 billion. 100 billion. That's a big number. I mean that's uh, not quite our national debt, but uh, <laughs> but we're talking about a big number, and that's, that's all in in the brain of a newborn child. Yeah, isn't that miraculous? It's fantastic. It's amazing. So you know, from conceptus to a full term nine month old child who comes out and is breathing and and you know looking around, eyeballs, ears. You know, touch and taste and all these things have been formed miraculously in the womb. It's an incredible, incredible phenomenon. And that is great. You know, I was especially fascinated
0: by the fact that babies can taste, hear, smell. And I'm going to challenge this one a little bit. Recognize faces? Seriously? <laughs> they I mean, they're inside the womb. They can't see a face, can they?
1: Well, they did a study in England where they were able to, without damaging the child, they were actually able to show um, dots, okay? And when they showed dots in certain patterns, these fetuses would actually turn toward those particular patterns. And the patterns hmm. that they turned toward were the pattern of a human face. Wow.
0: So they can recognize a human face. There's something They're turning toward it.
1: Jim, there's something innately inborn in a child and happening in utero where they're looking at they're looking at faces. They're looking yeah. for mommy. Yeah. Okay. yeah, <laughs> They're that's looking awesome. for mommy mm. even before they yeah. even, you know, get out and can say the mm. word mommy. I, that to me is a a phenomenon that I I can't explain. I think it's beautiful. Hey, uh, you have a beautiful story about
0: what you called a powerful comment, and you heard it at a bar mitzvah. Tell us what you heard that made such an impact on you.
1: So I I have a, a large uh, Jewish uh, contingent in my practice, and I'm frequently asked to go to bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, and so I, I try to go. And this young man was uh, 13. He was uh, reading the Torah. And before the whole ceremony began, the mother stood up in in the synagogue, and and she looked around, and she was a very articulate woman, and she said, you know, I'm looking around here. And uh, she was a little bit older mother, by the way. And she says, I'm looking around, and I only knew 20% of you before we had a child, you know, certainly family and friends. But she goes, I think about what my son Ryan has brought to my life. Not only has he brought the joy of having a child, but he's brought all of you. And it was a very touching moment. I thought, wow, this is profound. This is what children do to our lives. They bring us to new dimensions. Part of those dimensions include people. Yeah, expand your world. Expand our world in such a beautiful way. So it really kind of resonated with me. I heard that and I thought, wow, this is a profound moment. Now, mind you, she was tearful. She was crying because of how what this meant to her.
0: Yeah. That Mm -hmm. is a beautiful reminder of the benefit of children. You you do. You end up at sporting events. You meet new people. I mean, that's certainly true for Gina. Is that true for you? Uh,
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Our our circle of friends has expanded exponentially since we had kids. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, You give new parents several... So we're going back to kind of the beginning, not the end, like where I'm at, but back to the beginning. You give parents several important notes for that first year. And you say the key to the first month of the baby's life is to let the child lead
1: the way. And I go,
0: what? What are you talking about? Lead the way?
1: <laughs> well, kind of lead the way. I mean, you're, you're, you're going they're not going to lead the way completely. But what you want to do is the first month is a month that I call it should be an extravaganza of love. A, I call it skin-to-skin extravaganza. Yeah. And so part of it is getting to know that child. Realize that this is a new entity in your life. And they, you know, every kid is different and letting them establish their patterns, their feeding, their sleeping and all the other patterns. Let them kind of, let's see what happens. Now I liked, there is a word I do engage. It's called nudge. It's a gentle word, and you're not forcing them into any kind of a rigidity of a schedule. You're letting them kind of fall into it. You're watching your kid, and you're loving your child, but you can nudge them a little bit. You can kind of—during the day, for example, you want to nudge them awake because they need to— Yeah, you don't want them awake at night. You don't want them awake (laughs) at night, and I I tell people, you need to have a conversation with with your newborn here and say, you're one of us. (laughs) you 're you 're a human being, and I know you wherever you came from, maybe you had a different schedule up there, but now you 're here okay and here 's how we do it we eat and we we 're awake during the day we sleep and we don 't eat at night, and so you can nudge them into that pattern, and that 's kind of what I mean by letting them letting them kind of guide you. To a degree. I'll put a corollary on there. To <laughs> degree. <to> a degree.
0: <laughs> Tell us about the time you took your newborn son to visit your father in law. What did you learn from that experience?
1: Powerful moment. You know, my father in law uh, tragically was stricken with uh, colon cancer oh. uh, at a young age, I have to say. And um, he knew Leslie was pregnant. And so. I could tell he was holding on. You could see that mm. in his eyes when we would visit him during her pregnancy, uh, that he was holding on for the, to see her, his grandson. And it happened, he, she, we delivered, and as soon as we possibly could, we went to his bedside. And I'll never forget that, you know, uh, listen, this, it was a sad moment in his life. Uh, he was hooked up to IVs, and he couldn't yeah, eat, and you know, terrible. chemotherapy, it, it was not a good situation. So we walked into that room uh, with my father-in-law. Here he was. He was in a, in a desperate time, and he looked at Josh.
0: Hmm. What did he say?
1: He, he looked at my son, Josh, and, and there was that moment where he truly—it was a, a moment of delight, and it was, he smiled, and there was a, this shine in his eyes, this brightness that I had not seen for a long time. Um truly a a powerful moment for him it was a moment that you kind of go why was Josh Warren at this time and I kind of go maybe maybe for this moment Hmm. Hmm.
0: yeah that says it all right there God's greater purpose well the beginning and the end yeah. The Alpha and the Omega. I mean, it's the start of life and the end of life, and mm-hmm. we're all in it. Yeah, it's powerful. We, we all live that it, cycle. It was,
1: it was a moment that I'll never forget, a moment clearly that I, I feel emotional about, yeah. and a moment that um, there are bigger things happening in life that we that we don't really see. Yeah, yeah. And I think this was one of that, an example of that for us, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Dr. Bob, again, thank you for being with us. I love seeing your heart. Um, It's great when you're in this every day as a pediatrician to still have such tenderness toward Mm -hmm. what you do. I
2: like that. I'm encouraged by it. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you. It's been a great pleasure.
2: What a beautiful story to end our two-part broadcast with Dr. Robert Hamilton on Focus on the Family. John, I love how
0: Dr. Bob used that story about his father-in-law to point to the truth that every life has a purpose. The Bible has so many verses confirming that. One of them is in Psalm 139, which says, Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was written out before any of them came to be. It reminds me of a story we heard from a listener, a mom. Uh, this mom was uh, doing some pro-life work and had some focus materials sitting around her house, um, some brochures that showed pictures of preborn babies. And one night, that mom noticed that her teen daughter was looking at those brochures carefully. And she later found out that the teen daughter was pregnant and that those brochures changed everything that night.
2: And she said, I had an abortion scheduled for the next morning on the way over to see you that day mom i had called them on the phone to find out what to expect they told me i would have an injection and then i would have a spontaneous miscarriage that that would be my abortion but mom when i saw that picture on the table of a baby that was just six weeks old developing in a mama's womb i knew that God was creating the baby in my womb for a purpose, and I knew that I could not end my baby's life in abortion.
0: Mm, wisdom from a young woman. Um, this is exactly why we started our Option Ultrasound Ministry that I've been mentioning throughout the program. I also mentioned the stat of 60% of women who are moved to choose life when they see their baby on that ultrasound screen. And I think the ultrasound gives women hope that God does have a greater purpose for the life of their baby. So please, would you help support this ministry and
2: give a gift to Option Ultrasound today? And when you get in touch with us here at Focus on the Family, be sure to ask about Dr. Hamilton's book, Seven Secrets of the Newborn. You can donate and get the book and find out about Sea Life 2020, our September 26th event, at FocusOnTheFamily.ca. Well, be sure to listen in next time as a woman who walked out on her husband shares her story of reconciliation. And I finally made a decision that I was leaving. And I wasn't doing it as a ploy, as a chess move, to see what he would do to really get his attention now. No, I was done. I was totally